0: Welcome everybody to X-Band 45. So as we teased a little bit on Facebook uh, on Friday, we have a couple of special guests. We've got two special guests today. Uh, first of all, we have Duncan Munro. How are you, Duncan?
1: Hi, Jermaine. I'm, uh, I'm pretty good. Stephen and Dan, good to meet you guys too. I think after you introduce me, you're going to have to find two more guests if you've got two special guests, Jermaine.
0: <laughs> yes, so, for those who don't know, um, we uh, we met at the Fork Memorial Dinner, uh, Club dinners, and you were on one of the last podcasts that we had f- for Supernova and, and stuff like that.
1: You, uh, you're doing an exceptional job uh, interviewing people at the fruit booth at Supernova, and uh, I fell into your net.
0: That's it. I had to wrestle you, but. Um, which you know, if you've seen Duncan, you see the size of him, and so if I can wrestle him, I must be pretty strong. <laughs> so uh, first of all, I better quickly introduce the two regulars. I did kind of get a little bit too excited. So Dan and Stephen, how are you guys? I'm good, mate. A little bit put out that you know
2: you didn't introduce us like you usually do. So I'm glad you I'm glad you figured that out. And yeah, how are
3: you going there, Duncan?
1: Very well, thanks, guys. It's uh, it's great to be on your show. You're doing a fantastic job. <laughs>
3: thanks, mate. And I'll say a quick hello too from Queensland. Thanks uh, for having me on again, Jermaine, and uh, finally getting around to talking to me. <laughs> yes,
0: sorry about that, guys. So, um, Duncan, so um, just tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, just in a couple of minutes or maybe a little bit shorter of um, how you became a fan and stuff like that.
1: Uh, so I was a uh, fan of comic books from when I was a kid, and uh, one of the times on a, a very long drive with Dad, he used to buy me uh, comic books to shut me up in the back seat. And uh, we stopped at the Ngambi uh, newsagents, and uh, and he got me a, a little little character called the Phantom in kind a of comic book, which kept me engrossed for the rest of the trip. Uh, and that was uh, the first fan comic I ever had and been collecting
0: them since. So how long ago was that? I was 26 and a half, so uh, <laughs> that was about 30 years ago. Nice. So, so, the reason why we have you on today is because we have a very special guest, uh, Sammy Jay. So, before we talk to Sammy Jay and, um, uh, and the rest of us be quiet while he talks, tell us a little bit about how you became to know him.
1: Uh, we were twins and uh, separated at first by, um, we were both given halves of a, uh, a magical amulet. And when, no, he, I was a, um, a, one of my first jobs when I left school was I was a gardener at a private school and I used to wear a phantom, uh, cap. And it was around that height of, um, phantom merchandise in Australia in the night, the late nineties when the film came out. Uh, Sam was, uh, one of the, the leading kids at the school. He was always like the school prefect and uh, all that sort of stuff and would strike up a conversation with me, uh, because of the hat. And it was a, a common bond that we'd we shared, uh, since as, uh, Sam, I'm sure will, uh, will let you know the, um, our uh, paths have crossed a few times during our life, and uh, nice. I'm now fortunate to uh, count him amongst uh,
4: some of my very good friends.
0: That's good. So, without um, further delay, uh, Sammy, how are you?
4: I'm very well, gentlemen. Absolute pleasure to be here on the podcast. Special hello to, to Duncan up there, somewhere in Australia.
0: The travelling fan.
4: Off the bat... I'm also honoured to be able to call Duncan a good friend, but his maths is pretty bad, because I think he had about three factual errors in that little blurb. Because i met him in 1995, which was a good uh, 21 years ago, and he was clearly already a fan back then, so (laughs) I don't know where this 13-year thing has come from, but um, as far as calling me a prefect and so on, any, any late success I had at school came well after my meeting with Duncan when I was truly the... The single lone fan, Phantom twelve-year-old <laughs> fan, and he was sort of my my saviour because yeah, I saw him wearing this Phantom merchandise, and suddenly I realised I was not the only Phantom fan in Frankston.
0: <laughs>
4: it's it's
1: called oh, an oh. artistic
4: licence, Sam. You're a product. <laughs> uh, well, it was um, it was a good moment, uh, and, and yeah, many years until until Duncan mysteriously disappeared from that school <laughs> for reasons I'm still not entirely sure. <laughs>
0: It was probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, before we get too carried away, I want to tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, like about yourself, how you became a fan. Um, do you still collect the comics and stuff like that?
4: For sure. Well, in, in brief, uh, my first Phantom comic was, like many people, via the Royal Melbourne Show. I just grabbed a, a show bag. It was 1994, um, and the Phantom was... A, often included in showbags, almost as an afterthought. I always thought they might have had a secret dodgy deal going on with through publications. <laughs> and and the comic was The Mob, beautiful mob. Uh, it had the, the um, Kit Walker on the front in full Kit Walker garb, but I believe still with the, the skull ring nice and present. And I read that one, and it was a beautiful story. Pretty sure Wilson McCoy from memory was the artist, yep. and was was... Um, yep. That lovely tale where they kept changing the name of the pub and stuff. To, you know, just there's no good, <laughs> no good photos. Phantom swung in, and I was absolutely hooked after that comic. And from basically from 1994 until 1999, until Lee death death, uh, this is this is a big claim, but I was pretty much probably the, the the biggest Phantom fan in Australia under the age of twenty. You know, like I was very far into it. I started collecting. <laughs> Uh, hardcore I, I would get my mum to drive me up to Colin Williams house in Moorabbin and to deals on the weekends <laughs> uh, like th- some serious stuff I, I would I, basically obsessed and I know I, I've actually got you know all the all the fandom annual diaries that were published I filled them with scrap you know writing throughout my high school years um, about what I was collecting what I was reading and, and I was yeah, really far far into it which is why in particular you know as i say meeting duncan at school was actually a big thing because it was you know as we all know the Phantom fans um you know it's not marvel it doesn't have the market research such Part pardon me the market reach all the market research probably and uh it you know so it's, it's always been a bit of a special club and so for me it was my obsession it was my passion it was my hobby and then for all sorts of reasons that i still don't quite understand i remember but after lee folk died in uh 99, I'm pretty sure from memory, Um, it was, I remember I did one trip to Sydney and I visited through publications, I got to meet Jim and Judith, and after that, at some point I stopped collecting, you know, and then I stopped reading a few years later, I finished school, and so in in some ways I consider myself more of a legacy fan now, you know, I I dabble now and then, I always pick up a comic now and then, but my level of obsession will never Return to those sweet '90s years. Hmm. I hope they don't. For my bank bank balance, at least, because I spent <laughs> every dollar that I could on the Phantom. So yeah, he was, he was, and is a, a huge part of my life.
0: So, so you still pick up the odd comic now, or?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Particularly, I love you know the recent um, you know beautiful designs have been doing dragging out some of the original stories. You, you know, um, the Re- replica editions have been lovely. I've got two kids now, so time is <laughs> so. so on, great, <laughs> uh,
0: no,
3: that's uh, that's great, uh, Sammy. Because one of us here, maybe Jermaine, hates the replicas, so it's fantastic <laughs> to hear that someone out there uh, loves them. We give him stick for I it have, all the time.
4: I actually have no comment on the artistic uh, or even business sense behind them, but I just know that they're when you're at an airport touring, they're a nice, easy way of grabbing a few stories in one.
0: Did Dudley pay you to say that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, look, well, I, I don't
4: want to grab it. some deep woods area or some sort of phantom political, you know. I also grabbed the colour edition because, was, of course, it was the Paul Ryan tribute, which is fantastic and just fascinating to see a bit of colour going on. But to be honest, my heart will always lie in, in the 90s and, and earlier, and my collection, um, certainly. Actually, my collection, can I reveal, Duncan, who owns my collection now?
1: I think that would be, uh, be less allowable under the, um,
4: the law. <laughs> Duncan Monroe, ladies and gentlemen, purchased my entire Phantom comic collection, including some editions that go back to the 1950s, only about um, six months ago now, uh, because I was sort of ready to part with them, except all my favourites, except the Golden Age special and the 1000th issue and all the big ones, but um, that was sort of another cutting of the Phantom umbilical cord for me, because I realised that, uh, it, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not moving on from the Phantom, but I was moving on from the need to have all these boxes of comics in my attic.
0: So was that was that an instruction from the wife or? No, it was a, just a,
4: when uh, you know I felt really sorry for Duncan the fact that he hasn't let let go of this quest to get through comic and I <laughs> and some of my some of my comics were some a handful of proper collectors items and the best thing I don't know if I told you this at the time Duncan when you cashed me up but um <laughs> all my best comics came because I started doing back issues and everything. Some of my best comics came from a girl named Bethany back at school, lovely girl, in year eight, who who I think her parents were renovating the house or something, and they had smashed open the walls. And someone had used Phantom Comics to line the walls of the house, like back in the 1950s. I'm not joking, making this up. So I had it through, I think, 143, 170, you know, some, some really nice, tasty early editions. They've been sitting in, a, in the wall of the house in Seaford for half a century. <laughs>
0: wow. lucky. <laughs> Just wow. wait you hear the, stories uh, about that, but yeah. So, what would have been your top uh, collectible before um, Duncan got his mitts on it?
4: <laughs> well, leaving the comics aside, um, um, gosh, it's tricky. The one that was probably dearest to my heart was the six-inch fandom figurine, you know, the beautiful one of just him with his arms on his hands on his um, hips, and uh, it's gone missing along with another item of mine, um, which is a different story entirely. But. It, it breaks my heart that I haven't yet been able to trap that down. I have got the Phantom Master Cell, which was signed by Glenn Ford and has Billy Zane on the back from the the movie Times. And I've got the Phantom Candle. You know the Phantom Candle, where if you burn yep, it? Yep. Yeah, but I've never, obviously, I've never burnt it. So I've never quite known whether they're promised that when you burn it, a skull will emerge. I don't know if that's true or <laughs> not. Um, so,
0: it is true. Yeah, it is true. It, yeah, go it is true. Oh, I've got one as well. Um, but no, I've never burnt it either. Just well, how do
4: you know it's true You just fall in for the, the hype as well. No,
0: I've actually got one minus the ring. It's got a big hole in the bottom. <laughs> nice. I've got I've got the little the beautiful Phantom bust as well. Um, and all, for me,
4: it's, it's actually this about the, I'm trying to think of the things that like are expensive to give a proper answer because I know there are proper fans listening to this. But actually, for <laughs> me, it, it's all it's actually the, the tiny little crappy things that I love the most. Like I've got the the, the cardboard. Um, Advertisement from the school canteen when the Phantom ice cream came out. <laughs> you know, oh. I've got, I've got, a, I've got, I've got a cardboard um, backing from the news agency in the nineties from through Publications that says this comic is now out of stock. Please contact your news agency to ask for more. <laughs> the really sweet nerdy stuff that no one will ever pay for, but
3: but no, those are not. those are actually really highly prized. That's mm. unreal.
2: Yeah, People want them.
3: Well, <laughs> you know where to buy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've actually got a pretty, I was just before uh, our
4: before chat, i um, going through my files because I've got a lot of newspaper clippings, again, right from the 90s, particularly around the time the movie came out. All these incredible, anytime the phantom was mentioned in the paper or anything. Because again, as you know, as fans, you know, it, it, it's rare that the phantom will be mentioned in the mainstream press. So you see a little reference or a cartoon, and I would cut it out and scrapbook it. So I've got this incredible, um, you nice. know, very specifically timed collection of phantom media references as well.
0: Awesome, because around then you've got the movie and all that, so there would have been a little bit more than normal. Well,
4: was the glory years, so, you know, I went through a few years of just, yeah, just keeping my Phantom sort of to myself, and then 1996 came, and weren't they the happy days?
0: Mm. It was, yeah, you, you actually weren't exactly the biggest geek being a fan, Phantom fan, you know, because before then and you know afterwards, from about '98 onwards, you were a geek being a fan fan, but. For those couple of years, because you had Granny Mays and all that type of stuff, it was not cool, but it was half was it cool, system- or maybe yeah. a quarter cool. <laughs> Do
4: you know what? Like, I was trying to, I was reading through a few because I got a few letters published, quite a few letters published in the Phantom Forum over the years back when I was at school, and the first one, one of the first ones I wrote was because I was in my science class and the teacher had handed out. Uh, a comic called Blue Flame, all about natural gas or something. Yeah, yeah. And it was, yeah, it was Keith Chadow who had drawn it. And I got so excited in class, because again, it was like this glitch in the Matrix where the fandom had actually arrived. So I wrote this full <laughs> detailed review about Blue Flame, which
0: is in one of the... <laughs> fruit I novels. think I remember reading that, actually. I can tell you,
4: hang on, I, I, I've got the... It's, it was, if your listeners want to research my... <laughs> it's <laughs> the number 117... The first complete printing of The Reef, 1170. And at on the back page... Uh, the twenty five dollar award winning letter no less, which was like, you know, for a year nine student that was big, big money. A whole letter all about um Blue Flame, the King Shadow comic.
2: Well, you know what we're gonna do after we finish recording. You're gonna pull out one one seven oh and uh, give
0: that a read.
4: Enjoy <laughs> enjoy every beautifully written word, my friends.
0: <laughs> so moving on a little bit, um so Duncan was telling me that uh, that you have um, slipped a couple of fan themes in your 2016 um, Melbourne International Comedy Festival routine. Is that is that true? Uh, yeah, it's it's it's
4: more than true. It's it's um. In fact, my whole I'm writing a whole new show at the moment for the Melbourne Fringe Festival, um, which is then going to tour to around Australia next year, and as part of the Melbourne Comedy Festival and Adelaide and Sydney and everything. The show is called Hero Complex, and it revolved in a very major way about my around my love of the Phantom at school, and it also in a very major way around uh, the the friendship with the, the very man we're speaking to, Duncan Munro, right now. Who, as he mentioned, and I'm not going to give too much of the show away uh, right now, but um. You know, the man the man is a mysterious man who popped up in and out of my life a lot. it helps that I made a documentary about Duncan when I was in um when I was in year nine. So I've got this full documentary evidence <laughs> of me as a fourteen year old chatting to Duncan. But but the the Phantom is the crux of the show. In fact I've been doing the publicity photos this week and it's gonna be me I haven't I don't know whether there's a copyright issue with this, but it's gonna be me with the skull skull ring on. <laughs> um so if nothing else, hopefully my own fans come, but I'm really hoping that you know phantom fans out there will come along and get a special um, bit of enjoyment out of the show. Oh, sensational.
3: So
0: I'm I'm sure we'll, we'll put it on, it on the website. Yeah, we'll definitely put it on the website. So keep us in touch with, you know, your tour dates and, and stuff like that, and we'll stick it up on our Chronicle Chamber and that. Thank um, you so much. I um, so will do. Yeah. So did you say it was just going to be Melbourne and Adelaide?
4: Uh, no, it's, so it's, um, it's premiering at the Melbourne Fringe Festival, which is in... Um, from from September 15th onwards, 2016. But then it'll be my main touring show in 2017. So um, I haven't worked out touring schedules, but hopefully all the major capital cities will will get a chance. Certainly Melbourne, Sydney, Adelaide, Perth,
0: Brisbane. Perth?
3: Brisbane, Uh, Perth. (laughs) (laughs) it,
0: It is good to see that someone actually pays attention to Perth. You know, we crop up the whole country, so it's good... Uh, you know,
4: we are. I, I am a, I'm a long-term supporter of Perth. I was in Perth, in fact, with a solo show back in January this year. Where were you? Huh? You weren't propping my. Well, I'll
0: tell you what. If you, if you do the Phantom one, I'll be there. I'll be there for your Perth one.
4: Done. Deal. <laughs>
0: So, um, no, that, that's good. Uh, we'll definitely, for those fans that, uh, that are listening to this that would be interested in it, we will put up uh, some details um, that we get from Sammy when he has all the dates and the locations on our sword We'll stick it up on the web for people to be able to listen to it. So what we're going to do is um, just to let people know, uh, as as you know, there's five people in this podcast, so we can all kind of have a bit of a turn um, we have our – so basically we're going to hand it over to Stephen and then uh, Dan, and then they're going to ask a couple more questions and go from there. Now, we've got a lot of lot of uh, research. We've got our um, personal stalker um, who who has done a lot of research. So uh, before he has a go, we'll hand it over to you, Steve.
2: Rightio. I was just wondering, with, with your, uh, the show that, you, that you're bringing up, is that a solo show or is that with your um – your little purple-headed puppet uh randy
4: uh no it's a solo show so the phantom uh, himself will be the only purple-headed puppet in, in this one yep. uh yeah this is because it's such a personal show and, and randy's actually over in edinburgh as we speak doing a solo show there so we've always done we met doing solo shows and then we obviously work together a, a lot but we sort of call it an open marriage we like to do our own things as much <laughs> as possible just to also you know creatively it's, it's fun to keep mix it up and this show in particular is, is a very personal show for me um talking a lot about the school days and stuff like that. So um Randy was quite happy to sit this one out. Oh, very
2: good. So um, that's something I, I didn't know. I didn't know whether you, you guys got together, but you just really answered that question that you're doing your own solo things and then came together. So I was just wondering, yeah. So, so it's just a coincidence that he just happens to be purple.
4: It, it is. And you know what? We're, Randy and I had been working together for like seven years before someone, probably Duncan for a know brought, brought up the fact that I spent all my childhood obsessed with the Phantom, and then my adult, Years, I'm, my colleague is a purple, <laughs> a purple felty person. <laughs> the irony had genuinely been lost on me because when we, because we made, we, um, we made a television show and there were and some Phantom references in there, and, and a lot of people thought that was a, a Randy joke. And actually, no, it was just a personal, it was a personal reference for me because I wanted to have the Phantom on
2: TV. <laughs> so, you know, the television show, Ricketts Lane, I'm guessing. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So the um the Phantom stuff you got there um was that, was that your stuff or did you get it from anywhere in particular
4: that, no that was all mine it was it was quite late in the piece we were um we'd written the scripts and we were having an, a meeting with the art director because it was a very professional you know fairly big budget show so they had all these different teams working on it and the art director was reading the the script and i think the first script of episode one said sammy jay's bedroom is a really sparse bedroom and he's got like a superhero poster on we've just written superhero without again without thinking of the fandom connection because i thought we probably assumed we'd have have to make one up because it's ABC and not allowed to advertise and all that sort of stuff. And then um, I thought, hang on, maybe I should just bring my fandom stuff. But never thought, oh, that's great. And also, again, Sammy J, myself, and my my on-screen version is a total nerd. And as we all know, you know, the fandom is often... Look, he's not Batman, that's what I'm saying. So once you have the (laughs) (laughs) fandom... So a phantom comic in in the show did as much heavy lifting as it needed to to explain that Sammy J is not necessarily the coolest kid on the block. Um, So we had to get we had to get King's, uh, we had to get King Features' permission, and to their eternal credit, they wrote back like within two days and said, "Yeah, absolutely fine." We gave the context. We explained. I think I sent them actual a photo of me as a kid with all my comics to prove that I'm a genuine fan, that I wasn't just taking the <laughs> piss or anything. And they said they gave complete permission, which I can't see happening with you know necessarily other other characters in that way because I think they just really got on board and. and um, Personally, you know, I grew up watching Colin Carpenter, which was to me was the last reference, mm. proper, <laughs> regular reference that the Phantom had on, on on telly. So I was just really chuffed to be able to include him. So you've, yeah, all my I've got my Phantom, um, the, you know, the collector's case for comics is in there. A couple of the early frus and my Phantom bust as well is is there on on my
2: bedside table. Is there anything that you're particularly happy that you got on there, or you're just happy that you got it all in?
4: Oh yeah, well, mainly happy that it was just there, but I think that um, that Phantom bust literally was on my bedside table growing up so it's pretty sweet that then in my fictional tv character he's also got the phantom bus there <laughs> i love just blending truth and fiction as much as possible
2: excellent well that's when things work better when right? you don't have to try too hard when you just you know come comes from real life and
4: yeah absolutely and, you, and it's it's again it's funny that i was sort of the last person to think of it and then it, it's yeah when the idea of putting the phantom in came up it just made so much sense
2: yeah so has it been much success with the TV show like on, um, on iView? I tried to watch it, but I know you've got to pay for it now. I thought that's kind of weird since when do you have to pay for the ABC. So um, <laughs> <laughs> has it been much much success? We are,
4: it's 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 done well. We were a bit of an experiment. We were the first show the ABC launched, you know, exclusively on iView initially. Then it went to TV, um, you know, and had a normal run on TV about a year ago. But you know, all the marketing and budget was sort of focused on the iView release. And since then, we've sold it to, it's, it's on CISO in the States, which is a NBC sort of comedy streaming platform, and it's on Netflix in the UK. So Randy and I were just in London a few weeks ago doing some shows, and that was pretty nuts because we actually, you know, we're on stage and we said, oh, who's seen Rick and Slane? And half the crowd gave a big applause. And that's pretty awesome as, a, as a, someone who's spent my life mainly touring, to be able to think that, oh, people are watch- watching our shows when we're asleep on the other side of the world is pretty sweet. Does, uh,
2: does that mean there'll be a series too? We hope so. It's, um, it's
4: certainly not immediately, like for all sorts of different you know, business and, and political reasons, but we we made a show that we hope is going to last quite a while. You know, We set it in a sort of, it's not in the present day or anything, and the series ended without ruining any spoilers for your listeners, but the series ends with Randy and I um, floating away in a hot air balloon. So really, the story can resume anywhere and at any time we wish.
2: <sighs> Very good. I, I know there was a scene there, uh, about the census, how did you go with the recent census? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: Episode one. The whole episode was we used the census as our character device to sort of get to know, it, you know, to introduce ourselves to the audience. And we sing a song about how how much we hate the census. And um, it was only a few months ago someone pointed out that the census is coming up, so I was pretty pretty pumped. We gave that a good run on Facebook this week. Uh,
2: good stuff. Well, our resonance talk, the ghost through stalks. He's um, brought to our attention a, a, a photo taken, I think, about 1999, uh, with you in your bedroom. And I don't think we've posted this up on our website. <laughs> that. that is proper stalking.
4: Do, taking a photo of my bedroom 17 years ago without
2: my. Oh, it does look like it's through the through the uh, through your bedroom window. But you've got some fantastic gear in there. In, how, this, old, this, how old? are you in this, that photo? Is
4: this my red faces photo? I assume this you is know, your I'm, red faces photo. Is, right. What I mean by that is, I'm, I think I'm about to go and perform on red faces with my first ever Sammy J song. <laughs> yeah, that's a real photo. That's a real bedroom.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and was there some um, some of your own art drawn in there, or was it? Uh, like
4: yeah, that's right. So this the, the phantom. Um, the, yeah, there's a there's a phantom. But uh, basically, a you know. A, Copied one of the fruit comics. I forgot which comic it was, but I think he's, jump- he's flashing out of water in that one, with or without Diana. I can't remember. But I had, for a while, I was quite into my art, so I had the really expensive, fancy little markers and everything. And so that was one of them. What else? I think I've got the, um, well, the comic, the comic box is in there. The collector's comic box, I think.
2: I'm trying to look at my photo. I'm looking at it's quite small. It's like I'm, I'm looking through a peephole into your bedroom. <laughs> <laughs>
3: The comic box is there. I can vouch for that.
0: Now I know it's called the uh, (laughs) X-Band. Dan, what else can you see in there? You would have studied that photo. uh,
3: The the thing that jumped out to me was the, the poster. And I'm sure I had that poster up on my wall as well from the glow in the dark sticker set. Um, looks like you've blue tacked that up there as well.
4: That is blue. I've still got that. That's in my, my box of, I've got several boxes of, of things still. And, um, I've
3: got that all folded up neatly. And, uh,
4: that was awesome, you know. And you, know, you before you go to bed, you have to get your, your torch out and shine it on it,
3: just yep. to give it extra a little bit of extra luminescence. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I was just going to say it's not still up in the bedroom today, is it?
4: No, it's not. But um, do you know what? I was, uh, today, I, I got a few. I got a few of my things out just to, to, for old times' sake before our chat, and my my daughter, who's four now, she walks in and goes. And she sees one of the Phantom diaries and goes, oh, it's the Phantom, just like really casually, because I think she's picked up who the Phantom is over the last few years. just from I've never really sat her down or anything to talk about it. But that was the first time I went, oh, man, maybe I've really got a, you know, a Phantom fan in the making here. So maybe the glow in the dark stickers could be the perfect way in to either set her up or freak her out for life with (laughs) glowing skulls (laughs) in
0: her bedroom. Well, what's (laughs) actually ironic is, you know, the story of the mob, which she said was your first one. Yep. That um, that cover, Glenn Ford has actually modified that cover for the Phantom, and he's actually created uh, four and dark posters using that whole pose. Oh, really?
2: Yeah. yeah. So they really
0: available changed, right now. Yeah, 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 you can buy them right now.
2: He's just he's changed Mr. Walker to the to the Phantom. So yeah, I should hope that, so. That, that's, that's, that's a little more
0: marketable. Is. Yes,
4: <laughs> um, but but that that was also a variation of his. That was the uh, the fiftieth anniversary issue from memory he also had a basically same sort of Glenn Ford phantom with the scale pose. Was that a version yeah. of that?
0: I think, yeah, yeah there's been a few awesome. of those type of poses. Yep.
4: I might, um. I, although to be honest, my, I'm going to look into that for my daughter, but she actually has, I'm going to throw it to Duncan right now because Duncan actually gave probably the, of all the gifts you get when you have a baby, this is nothing beats this one. Duncan, what did you deliver to my doorstep?
1: Uh, so, when Sam had his first daughter, can I tell this story? Is this okay? No,
3: please do. Yeah.
1: So, when Sam had his, his daughter, I uh, I was away and I wanted to to help him celebrate it, and I sent him, you know, the the, the limited edition um, uh, pendants with the Good Mark on them. Yes. Yep. They had, and yep. there was a, the knife, the, the knife, the um, the skull ring, the Good Mark, and the Good Mark pendant, and they come in those wooden boxes, mm. and. Uh, and I had a spare one, so I, I tracked, dug it out, and sent that off. Sent that off to him, and he sent me back a photo of his daughter, days old, swaddled in the you know pink blanket, with the necklace around her neck, and it was fantastic. Like I love that photo.
3: That is sensational.
1: And then, and then when uh, he had his second daughter, I had to try and track down another one. <laughs> and they were getting <laughs> harder to find, but I managed to uh, secure one, and uh, and went to Poe's house. That, I was in Melbourne to drop it off, and uh, he wasn't home. So I was on the front doorstep with a note on it just saying, uh, because Airs has an S in it. And um, he sent a really nice message back when they got home. They'd been away for the weekend. And, and the next time I went around to his house, his oldest daughter came out. <laughs> and uh, she's a bit unsure, because I hadn't seen her for a long time, so she's a bit unsure of this big man coming into the house. So she was hiding behind Dad's leg. And uh, she came into. She, we were joking around and were laughing a bit. So she obviously, I passed the test and it was okay because I was making dad laugh. And she invited me down to her room and was showing me around and all her favorite teddies and everything. And Sam said, uh, this means you've, uh, you've now been accepted, uh, but you'll now be held prisoner in this room until you've had, you know, a cup of tea with the, uh, with the teddy bears. And we were playing away on the floor and Sam said, do you know who this is? She said, daddy's friend? And he's like, yes. And he said, but do you know the very special necklace that you wear when I go And she said, yes. And it was hanging on the door handle of the cupboard. And she went and got it and put it on and gave him a big, like, and she said, this is where it came from. I just really liked that Mm.
0: Um,
1: Sam was passing that on to his daughter. uh, And I was able to play a part in that. It was a really touching moment to see a father and a daughter having such a
4: strong connection through the fence. It was a, a, a absolutely beautiful gift, and the fact that you brought a second one around also avoided years of sibling rivalry, because now <laughs> <laughs> they're each going to have their own. But um, you know, and it's something yeah, so I, I I actually give that yeah I give that to my daughter when every time I go on tour, you know, because there is a nice little thing there, and, and obviously you know the the uh, without this turning into some schmaltzy piece of crap, but you know the Phantom gives it to people who when he's looking after them. I love that it came from Duncan, and I love that I give it to my daughter when I'm when I'm away, so that she knows I'm looking after her. I'm gonna
2: cry. Would you like the moment? We can find some tissues. It's, it's
0: like... <laughs> uh, um, We've all we've all got children ourselves, uh, um, the three of us as well. So we're, we're we're slowly trying to indoctrinate them as well. So uh, no, we appreciate the sentiment, and um, the Phantom needs those future generations. fans you know, keeping donating them.
2: Absolutely
4: agreed
0: and hear here <laughs> excellent um well i think i might
2: pass on the Dan. i was going to i was going to ask something about the red paces gig that um about being your first gig but it's not really fandom related so i'll just pass on the Dan.
3: <laughs> all right uh, so um I've, I've been besmirched here sammy by being referred to as a stalker i like to think of myself as a uh, a researcher and someone who remembers things when they happen and um <laughs> I, I first became aware of the Dum Dum Club when your podcast, when you when you were on them, and it was advertised with the fandom on it, and that's why I first uh, started listening to them. So uh, I, I don't think stalking is really a fair assessment, but anyway, I'm going to move past that. Um,
0: so anyway, <laughs> this photo of you in 1999
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, at the uh, uh, at the Phantom Comic Art Exhibition. Um, they found that on Facebook when we were scrolling through. You've got a bit of an obsession with John Marsden by the seams.
4: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Phantom and John Marsden pretty much got me through school.
3: <laughs> well, he
2: got a poster up in your um, in your bedroom as well.
3: Yep, I signed a poster I had. I know. <laughs> so, um, so what was the what was that exhibition in, in the, the Phantom comic art exhibition in '99? I, I certainly didn't see that one.
4: Duncan might have to um, assist me here, but it was the, I know it was in Armadale in the Melbourne suburb of Armadale at the um, I've forgotten the name of the okay. gallery, the Silver Silver K. And it was just, it was a sort of a fairly small ish exhibition. Well, actually, I say small, but it was actually, I had nothing to compare it to. But um, yeah, one of my best mates, Paul and I, who Paul was uh, another, uh, one of the few fandom fans, because I lent him the mob and he got hooked (laughs) via the mob again. I was like a drug dealer. (laughs) And um, he and I headed up to this exhibition and it was just, because, you know, after three, four years of of the fandom just being in, in in your bedroom and via the comics. To see this stuff in real life, I remember, I think they had some original Wilson McCoys there, and you can actually see the actual, you know, the sort of whiteout or the equivalent of white. you know, you can see the pencil marks and stuff. And it was just, you know what it's like when you see those originals, it was just mind-blowing. And there was some, I think the only thing that, that topped that was probably seeing, you know, the collection with Jim Shepard uh, up in the office in Sydney of, of books and quotes there. Mm-hmm. But this, this particular exhibition, I've got lots of photos as well that you know I'm happy to send through your your way if you want to um include on the side or anything. If you, if you don't have any documentation of that particular exhibition, because I, I took lots of um, photos on my twenty four plus three disposable camera, so they're in. Really
0: <laughs> oh
3: that that would be excellent. We'd love to we'd love to be able to put those up. That'd be great. Absolutely, yeah. I've got I'm,
4: I'm looking at them right now. In fact, yeah, there was just gorgeous um you know like full cabinets full of stuff, and it's really lovely. Art on the wall as well. I'll send them all through um, just be ready for my shorts, my phantom ring and my polo shirt because it's a sexy look
3: <laughs> Well, <laughs> we were all stunning at the age of 17 At least
0: shirt in this one <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Was John Marsden Sorry Dan, I'm just going to uh, jump in um, Was uh, John Marsden a phantom fan as well?
4: Um, not to my knowledge. Um, I like to keep my passions separate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I have, in fact, I, I, I am, I'm very lucky to count John as a, as a friend these days as well. Um, we we reconnected because I used to stalk him and write him letters and things. And, you know, I, I know that he would have approved of my obsession with the Phantom at the very least, because he's always a man who encouraged individuality above everything else, which, which meant a lot to me at the time.
3: So that, that individual uh, individuality, is that part of the... Uh, you've referenced on one of these things. You, you've said something about it being an artistic... Um, you know, one of your artistic influences. Uh, ov- obviously, the show that you're about to debut has got some... Oh, yeah, that's a very clear artistic um, influence of the fandom, but is there any other way that you think that a, the, the character's influenced you?
4: Oh, absolutely, and... and- Look, I don't even know if I could put it into, into words, probably. But but when you spend your formative years, and I'm and I'm not I'm not exaggerating this for effect. Like 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 I've been honest with you. you know, the past 10 years, the fandom has not been a big part of my life on an active day-to-day level. But for those five years between the ages of 12 and 17, it was everything to me. And so I, it, it sort of seeps into you. And and as someone who you know I'm I'm a writer and you know writes shows and, and stories. The more I think about it, I think that idea. Of, Creating worlds—that's sort of what I do in, in, in my job. Whether it's writing a book, or writing a song, or writing a, a stage show, or a, whatever it is, I'm trying to create worlds. And I think that's what Lee Walk did so beautifully with the Phantom. And it wasn't just some throwaway thing. He, he created an entire world. There was a there was a backstory, the, the, the geographical locations, and you know that was that was my that was my escape. That was, and I'm sure many of you and your listeners will will relate to that. But to open up a comic and be taken away to these these magical places with these these rules of the world that will not be broken, you know, and and, and things that you accept because that's how they are. And uh, there's just something, as I say, I'm, I'm, it's difficult to put into words, but uh, but I'm certain that that, is, that has become a huge part of my sort of creative flame, if you like, because mm. the fandom was, you know, on, on paper, what a stupid idea, a dude <laughs> in purple living in the jungle. like. But, but, <laughs> but Lee made it believable and made it work. And and that's the trick. That's the sort of magician's trick of any creative pursuit. Even when writing a comedy song or something, you've got to set those rules up and bring people in with you. And then once you've set the rules, you can take them on a journey. And the phantom was, you know, the was and is the ultimate journey.
3: Absolutely. And and so beyond that artistic, like for personally, um, I feel like a lot of my social awareness or. or, or social consciousness uh comes from some of those stories too about that awareness of others and fighting for good over evil all of that sort of stuff does that have an influence on you as well Mm do you think
4: that's a great question and i've never i've never overtly thought about it but um there has got to be something and i'm going to i'm going to touch on this in the show uh, you know but there's got to be something about the fact that i was drawn to the phantom rather than all the dark villains who murdered and blood and gore you know and the phantom was that's his whole point he drank milk he didn't kill he was Mm -hmm. a really good dude and so, I don't know, it was a chicken or, egg, or an egg thing, but for me, I was drawn to that, obviously, and and, and the manners and the politeness and all that stuff. Utterly, you know, that, that sort of all accords very much with, you know, my general <laughs> outlook and sensibilities. But and, and also, I think, for me, also, the whole, the attraction on an artistic level was that there was this, the fact that the Phantom, just by reading the Phantom, you were engaging with history, because we're talking about a character who, you know, when I got into him, was uh, already 60 years old, and so you're reading a Ray Moore story or you know from from the 1930s and the 1940s and you know you're actually reading comics that were written so long ago and so you can see history in action with the references and, and the way that the fandom had to update over the years.
3: Mm. And it's similar to well what you were saying about Ricketts Lane before being set in the past that's one of the things I like about the Phantom is that it's timeless because it's set in the past um, that's what makes it so accessible at any point.
4: Yeah absolutely and um the, you know, from, from a social point of view, I also, I love the, the, the adjustments that were then made over the years, you know, like, I've, um, you know, in terms of Diana's role becoming more prominent and, and you know, the, the, the social awareness creeping in as you sort of go, and, and to Lee Falk's great credit, you know, getting often ahead of the pack, you know, he was doing environmental stories and stuff, you know, well before mm-hmm. others and things like this, but it's, it's, it's a fascinating journey to be able to see a character, an artistic uh, pursuit evolve over 70, well now 80 years.
3: Mm-hmm. Now speaking of, of Lee Fork there's a, a quote of his that I love which is that um, uh, is, it's, it's about politics, he uh, says down with dictatorships, up with democracy and I notice on Facebook you've got a tasting of democracy challenge going on at the moment now if you were going <laughs> to if you are going to undergo the taste of democracy challenge in Bengala, do you think you would want to lick the skull cave, Which doctor mountain or LaManda Lager's office?
4: <laughs> Best question I've ever been asked in any interview ever. Um, uh, I'm going to obviously the Skull Cave, because who's going to pass up a chance to visit the Skull Cave? However, I would really want to avoid Guran because I spent all my formative years calling him Guran until the movie came out, and then I was really embarrassed. <laughs> oh, very good, very so good. I wouldn't want to miss
2: <laughs> How do you pronounce um, the Phantom's do- uh, daughter? Heloise? Hel- yeah, I always say Heloise. Um, Heloise. I've heard some people call her Hello.
3: Helosi?
4: No, surely Heloise. I will I will fight anyone who tries
3: to challenge me on that, but I could be wrong. No, agreed. We're all friends here on that one, I think.
4: Great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, his adopted son, I mean, that's a normal pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> a <wreck. laughs> <laughs> you know, Duncan. He was making some movies back at school, and he was. And I offered myself to play the role of Rex, and um, I think you politely declined, Duncan, probably for legal reasons, if nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that?
1: There's already uh, there's already a newspaper article where I've been accused of grooming one of the students at the school with Phantom Comics. I don't think I need video footage. <laughs>
0: That's probably. Is, is that the reason why you mysteriously disappeared from the school, Duncan? <laughs> was that in an interview I did?
2: Remember that thing,
1: the one you did in. Fuck um, uh, you! You're telling it, the truth. guy that your house when um when I was there and interviewed you for like the Green Guard or something.
4: Oh yeah. <laughs> And I—that's right—and and we started chatting, and that's right. I explained who you were. Yeah. Well, um, you know, you
3: need the risks. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, if I can get this back on track a little bit, get away from the grooming, which I think um, we're, Stephen and I are both teachers, so neither of us are quite comfortable with this conversation anymore.
2: Just um, <laughs> had okay to be doing all that um, that PD stuff recently yeah, yeah, as well. Right. All yeah, the new, part, new laws I mean, coming we- out.
4: When anyone comes to my show, I've got literally, you know, pages of entries where I'm talking about what Phantom comics I swapped with Duncan, and I've written it in my di- in my Phantom diaries. We traded a lot of comics, I can say hand on heart. Despite how it may look, particularly to modern day eyes, it was a most innocent uh,
3: friendship at all times. That's fantastic. Now, uh, Sammy, you're obviously a, a musical comedian. Um, and and i'm sure that um, i'm not the only one surely i'm not the only one who's gone back and had a look at a lot of your youtube songs and this sort of thing with randy um, as part of getting ready for tonight but um, ostentatious back in the early 80s put out a, a phantom song um, phantom shuffle Are you aware of that one
4: i vaguely i remember listening to it back as a
3: as a kid, yes. Yes, it's it's not fantastic. It's it's probably not worth going back and having another listen to. But it, <laughs> it did it did strike me that perhaps it's time for another Australian comedian to put out a new Phantom song. Can we expect a Phantom song as part of your um, as part of your show?
4: Oh well, your timing couldn't be better because I'm deep in the middle of writing the show at the moment. And the the boring honest answer is quite quite possibly. However, I've got to balance the whole challenge with this show is. It, 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 there's a lot of the Phantom in it, but also if I'm only pitching to people who care deeply about the Phantom, I'm going to limit my audience, obviously. So it's sort of how much do <laughs> I bring the general public audience with me, educate them about the Phantom uh, uh, enough for them to enjoy the story, but then not not go too hard, you know, because no one what no one likes someone. Banging on about their own personal passion uh, for too long. So, if I can find the right song, I, I, I have been thinking about one song actually, which has not been written. But you know, the idea of the phantom being my only friend at school—like, you know, how was he? He was the best friend because he'd never take your lunch money or give you a wedgie. It's just always there for you. Awesome. But yeah, it's all—it's all in the process of being written. That—that that might be better as a stand-up bit, for all I know. But we shall see. And. You know, if, if, if it helps the listeners buy tickets to my show, then they'll definitely be a fan of me. <laughs> <laughs>
3: they'll they'll be lining up around the block now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all four of our listeners are gonna be right there with you.
2: <laughs> if you want if you want Does a tuba part to the
3: part of thing, that's impressive.
2: If you want a tuba part to be played on your song, I'm your man, just just sing out. <laughs> a tuba. Did you say tuba? Tuba, yeah. It
4: the, the, the big
2: brass instrument, yeah. <laughs>
4: Duncan's not not offering any musical skills, I note. <laughs> <laughs> what can you play, Duncan?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm just I was I was, uh, just glad that he confirmed that it was a tuba, that it was the brass instrument. He wasn't going to play a potato.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure all of us could chime in on the tom-tom drums. We'd be fine with that.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> In fact, Wayne's
1: tired. The guys are hitting you up, Sam, because they want another song they can rip off to use as the theme song for the podcast. <laughs>
4: oh, I'll write you a Phantom song regardless of that. Don't you worry about that. If you want a Phantom song just for the podcast, mark my words, I'll give you one.
3: We can only pay you in Old Fruise, though, so. <laughs> <laughs>
4: that's more than I, uh, that I need. <laughs> no, I pledge to you right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna write you a Phantom song uh, as a theme for the podcast. Because is it not Phantom 2040 at the moment? Is that am I correct? Yes. <laughs> I, I I had a flashback when I heard that. Um, and it's I couldn't possibly beat that in a, in its awesomeness. But I'll I'll write you one anyway. Um, just so you can use next podcast. That is my pledge. Oh, that's, oh, that's awesome. awesome. Very well. Phantom 2040. That was that was the days getting up early in the morning before school. To watch that was that was the part of the glory years when the Phantom came you know came into the mainstream
2: for a while. Did you pick up the DVD at least a couple of years ago?
4: No, because I've still got the VHS tapes, so I don't need no DVD.
3: <laughs> Going old. <laughs> and I've
2: got
4: the Super, I've got the Super Nintendo game as well.
3: That <laughs> I was, I was deep in there. Oh wow! What
4: did you think of the film, Sam? As in the film '96. I um, <laughs> if I can quote myself from the uh, fruit letter that I referred to earlier. (laughs) Hang on. This is my own words. Um, uh, Even Billy Zane seemed to be enjoying himself more than in any of his other movies, Though that may be because the Phantom was altogether a more enjoyable and fun film than many others. So I was pretty unbiased at the time. (laughs) I think I saw it five times at the cinemas. Uh, I've got got the CD soundtrack. I went to the premiere. I went to the premiere in the Herald Sun you were there, Duncan. Oh, uh, I. Greater Union Cinemas. <laughs> I remember, like that was this. Uh, I've got a whole VHS paper of you know Billy Zane being interviewed on 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 recovery with Dylan Lewis and all the press stuff. However, this is all skirting the question of what I thought of the film. I thought the film was bloody amazing because I was a Phantom fan, and I think they were very very loyal to the Phantom in many ways to the film's detriment. <laughs> as, <laughs> as, as a, <laughs> um, because with the benefit of hindsight, I see it was. A fairly throwaway film, but man, I cannot express how much that film meant to me at the time. You know, what do you, you guys, potentially slightly older than me when the film was released, as Phantom fans, what was your reaction? I don't think I saw it five times, but I reckon yeah. I
2: saw it once or twice at the, at, the, at the cinema. Did you enjoy it
4: at the time? Like, was oh, it? Oh, Yeah, like, how could you not? It was just so faithful. I thought, like, seeing the
0: biplanes mm-hmm. and stuff, the world. I don't actually think. I'm older than you. I'm thinking we're about the same age, so I'm not quite old, old. So I'm still early. I'm I'm 19.
4: Just to clarify, I'm 19. (laughs) Duncan's Duncan's allowed to make up his own ages, and I'm allowed to
2: make
0: up my own. Um, I'm early to close to becoming mid-30s. So the other guys are mid to late 30s. They're the old farts. (laughs) Well,
4: in that case, uh, being exactly the same generation, yeah, do you – do you remember being as, were you into Phantom at the same age then?
3: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah in yeah. fact, I challenge you for being the biggest fan um, from 94 to 99 in Australia. Um, I think that's a bold claim to make and um, one that uh, needs uh, needs measuring.
4: Well, in that case, <laughs> bring it on. Let us begin. <laughs> we need, we need, I deem Duncan, I, I declare Duncan Munro has to create some sort of table or point system we will publish this on the website and Duncan it. it's like a phantom treasure I need to prove how much of a bigger which one of us was a bigger fan in the 90s to, to, to crown the, the teenage phantom fan late 90s Australia if you want fighting words how's that All right. as, long as,
1: as long as there's a ban on uh, any more photos of
3: shirtless teenagers with ties on <laughs> oh bugger there goes half my routine <laughs> <laughs>
4: I just want to know how come we didn't connect where we were pen pals back in the day because, man, were you lonely like me as a Phantom fan? Was it was it all sort of in the bedroom rather than...
3: Yeah, oh, out I've, at parties talking I've about you? got strong memories of... Um, I wore a Phantom cap to school and I caught the bus into school and every day for about six months the big kid up the back would steal my hat as he ran off and throw it under the back wheels of the bus so the, the bus would drive over it as he went away, so...
4: <laughs> okay, I don't know. Well, this uh, um, this story, but I'm I'm about to provide you with um, ultimate sort of retrospective uh, uh, catharsis on that. And I'm going to throw it to Duncan because this is a true story <laughs> that'll make you very happy. Duncan, Duncan. what did you what, what did you do to the schoolboy who made fun of your phantom cat? Well, I'll, mine was slightly
1: less ex- excusable because I was a little bit older, but I was sp- uh, I was about eighteen. Yeah, no, was one of the staff members, but um, and, it's, and, it's, <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it's probably not good given that Dan and Stephen are school teachers. But I was a uh, the groundskeeper at a private school, and I used to wear this Phantom hat, and it was uh, uh I really liked it. And uh, one day there was a kid that was before school was showing off in front of in front of some of the girls. I a, just recently integrated girls into the school; it, was a, it had been an all boys school before that, and so this year old kid was responding appropriately to uh, this this newfound presence of, of the opposite sex. And uh, I was I was dropping him with a tractor with a big trailer on the back of it and these huge drums. And I was picking up the bags from um, the art room that had to throw out all the kids' art products and stuff. I was collecting them all in this big, like a big skip. <clears throat> anyway, this kid was trying to show off and he was, uh, ooh, the phantom, ooh. Ooh, mm, Phantom! And he's like trying to tease me and stuff like that. I was just ignoring him and carrying on. And you got you guys, go are school teachers, you might be able to uh, know the level of tolerance that you'd require. <laughs> and um, you know, I was picking up these uh, uh, bags of old papers and artwork and stuff and throwing them into the back of this thing. And the kids up, picked up one of the bags because he couldn't get my attention. I was just ignoring him. I was listening to you know music or something. And he's like, oh, come on, Phantom, take me on, Ghost who walks, ooh!" And he's like, and he's picked up one of the bags and thrown it at me, and it hit me in the chest and dropped down to the ground. and sort of paused, looked at it, looked at him with a with a voice that it, with a, a a glare that had freezed Tiger's blood, and picked up the <laughs> bag and put it in the bin, and, kept, and tried to keep going. And I was nearly finished what I was doing, and he woke up, not to be outdone. He ran up, and when I bent over to pick up one of the bags, he took the hat off my head he said, What you gonna do now, Mister Walker? Woo! And uh, he's going to hold the the hat over one of these big bins. And I said, "It goes in there, and so do you." <laughs> and the kid's going, woo, "Woo!" and let go of the hat and dropped it. Oh dear! So being a man of being a man of my word, I put down the bag that I was holding, went over, grabbed him by the back of his blazer reached down into the bin, picked my hat back up and dropped him in. <laughs> uh, uh, and then went back to what I was doing. And he's rather sheepishly climbed out to uh, the applause of the other kids and uh, the absolute derision of the girl that he was trying to impress. And uh, and I went on with my duties and I was pulled aside by the, the, the vice principal later in the day. And he said, so I just need to talk to you, Duncan, about that incident earlier today. I like, well, what would
3: that be? <laughs> and he
1: said, uh, Earlier I on with one of the kids, and I told him what happened. And he goes, Right. He goes, I didn't hear that version. <laughs> and he said, but Look, he said, probably not the, the best practice to get into. And he said, But fortunately, uh, it's one of the most unpopular kids in the school. <laughs> he said, Most <laughs> of the teachers are great, but you like, pulled him in line. <laughs>
4: I I wasn't there to witness that moment, but I was there to witness the reaction because we talked about that for days.
2: (laughs) At uh, that school, you got um, teachers and then you got
0: educators. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just glad it ended like that. I was getting a little bit worried when you were saying that you were 18 and he was 15. I was getting a little bit worried that you were getting teased and bullied by a 15-year-old, so I'm glad it kind of ended the way it did.
1: There was, it was in very, uh, there was much, you know, you know these private school kids. They, uh, they think they're, um, they're all the world, all the world revolves around them, don't they,
4: Sam? Hey, look, I was on a scholarship, so don't let me in with those little rich fricks. <laughs> 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 all, all, all I could afford was a dollar fifty for comics.
2: It worked for your money.
1: <laughs> and Sam, uh, you were in the Phantom Fan Club
4: back then, weren't you? Majorly, I was in all like there was a couple because you know I was in the dynamic cards club and then um, they just stopped producing phantom cards and started producing all other rubbish that I didn't get into. Um, and then he the the, the the official phantom fan club um, started going a little bit. And I don't want to offend anyone who maybe I don't know the hierarchies of who was who I'm talking to now and who is actually the founder of these companies and stuff. So, but one of them went a bit um, pear shaped, and then the the phantom. The Jungle Patrol, or, or the, the other one started up, or I joined the, the other. There was sort of a guerrilla Phantom uh, fan club, wasn't there? As opposed to the official. Mm. One, am I correct? There was. I yes. was a member. Yes. I was a member of both. I've still got my, my membership card, Jungle Patrol number, and um, those the newsletters and the merchandise, of course. The merchandise offers were just too good. I to had the Phantom bedspread, Phantom socks, all sorts of Phantom shirts. I was a I was I was basically the Phantom, more or less, minus all of his abilities.
3: Beautiful. Now you, you said you said Sammy in the Dum Dum podcast, and I, and I I wonder if this is what you were talking about when you said that you lost a, a piece of memorabilia or, or, or merchandise that was special to you. Is that the Phantom mug that disappeared at the ABC?
4: Oh yes. So it was, so, so I lost two things. So we're, when we were writing Ricketts Lane, we were at an office at the ABC. We were, we were in office for like two weeks until they kicked us out making too much noise. Um, and we um and I had my Phantom figurine there, my little six inch. Uh, figurine, and I had my Phantom mug, and both of the, those those are the two things that when I we moved out of the office, I was also moving house at the time, and so a lot of boxes flying around. One box went back down to my dad's place, another one to my mum's, and and in all the unpacking and stuff since, I have not been able to reclaim them, and I'm terrified. In fact, I suspect that mug actually got pilfered at the ABC by some taxpayer-funded ass.
3: <laughs> <laughs> which which mug was it? We've got a lot of um, if you could describe it. We've got a lot of fans who probably would recognise it.
4: Oh my gosh! Well, it, I'll go a step forward. If you've got a fan who wants to make me an opera and sell their one back to me, because I genuinely miss it. It was the um, I think it came out like a set of four different mugs at the time or about that, and it was the Raymore. Pretty sure it was the Ray Moore for those who came in late, or a little bit of that, or um, you know, very a, a black sort of background. Phantom with his arms crossed, man who cannot die. Words sort of, you know, just scribbling along. And, and I, don't, I don't think it, was, it wasn't any for those who came in late to It It's just the phantom, and it had the, you know skull logos around circular around the mug. You, the people who who know the mug will know what I'm talking about. I'm not doing a very good job describing it, but um.
3: Did it have a try? Was it a triangular handle on it or? No, no triangular handle. More classic, your classic
4: round handle. Right. It, well, yeah, yeah, so it, no, yeah, yeah. I know the triangle one you mean. No, it wasn't that one. It was more of a straightforward one, but. Genuinely gutted to lose that, and equally gutted about my the fandom the, the, the fandom figure because um I know I keep banging on about the figure, but it was just it was such a beautifully crafted piece. I don't know if you know the one I'm, I'm referring to, but it yeah. was um yeah yeah just it was for me that was my, always my ultimate because that was my one of my first bits of memorabilia I got. Ninety five, I think.
1: And one of the first things you put into one of your shows, Sam. Yeah,
4: hang Six on. Figure featured in Big Night. Oh my gosh, you're right. In in the stage show, Mm. I've just forgotten the. Can you remind me of the Ninja Turtle? That's. Uh, Yeah, I'm talking about my favourite items, and Randy says, and I I refer to the Teenage Ninja Turtle set, and he says, "Oh, "Oh, you haven't even got Donatello; you've replaced him with the inch Phantom figurine." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, um, my gosh, you Duncan, you just reminded me that there is every chance that that's actually in. Randy's shed with all the bin night props. <laughs> I'm... Because um, I think at some point we're actually flashing it up on stage. Um, that, you've just given me a genuine clue live on, live air. on, on air. Yep. Dan stalks. I investigate.
3: <laughs> <laughs> research, I research. He delivers. <laughs> oh, very good.
1: Well, I'm glad we were able to provide that community service for you, Sam. Yeah. Thank so, you. Uh, Listeners, have next, a month Next week on... Next week on Lost and Found, the boys
3: are going to look for. <laughs> it's a it's a new it's a new segment we're offering. Yeah, next week they're going to look for the, the biggest
4: teenage Phantom fan, circa nineteen ninety seven. That's right.
0: But if there I'll are come up with with that's if there is anyone out there that's got a spare uh, mug that we're talking about, you know, feel free to get in touch with Sammy J, and you will have a very happy fan.
4: You will, and and I will pay you in what I'm going to do anyway, which is writing a, a little Phantom thing for the expand
0: What about you, Duncan? Do you have a couple of other questions you want to uh, embarrass uh, your friend with?
4: <laughs> no, I just
0: that, I just wanted to
1: bring uh, I just wanted to bring up I was recently going through the newsletters from the the Phantom Fan Club, the official Phantom fan club that had the Jungle Patrol ID cards and stuff, and I was looking through trying to find uh, an article that I'd sent in and i found the issue that i was looking for and next to it was a letter that was written in by sam mcmillan
4: um, do you it's mean great. a
1: letter yes, <laughs> Sorry, go yes. On. with the with the cartoon of uh, the the phantom in the wheelchair
4: oh no god
1: so the the people that are out there that have got who have the collection of those newsletters will be able to find some of sam's early work <laughs>
3: so so this would be jungle beat number which one Tungus, give, give us give us some direction
4: is it jungle beat
3: that was the the Phantom Club from based out of Brisbane. No, the, the no, this one that was
4: in this, this was the official fan club. Of this, um... Yeah, sort
0: of a... so the, one in, the Melbourne. one in Melbourne. Ah, do you have a I number? Have or front of me.
4: Something like Hang on, that? no, Duncan, I've got I've got my box of stuff here, and the one that you are referring to. Sorry, one second. <laughs> oh my gosh, I wish this, I wish this was a video podcast because you, my my collection of clippings. Okay, I'm just gonna. I'm not holding you up, am I? If if I just thrust my hand in I'm going to pull out a random fandom clipping from the 90s, okay?
0: And see what comes out.
4: Okay. What's this? Okay, what's this? This is a... This ghost was made for walking. Phantom fans will be beside themselves today, what with the new movie, with doe-eyed Dumbo Billy Zane in the lead role, opening around the country. Our sometime correspondent Julian Lewis has been busy stalking the ghost who walks and has come up with the following titillating trivia. And then it's a half a page of trivia like Playboy founder Hugh Hefner is such a fan of the comic that he let his famous mansion be used for exterior shots for the first time for the movie, as long as the location wasn't identified. I've forgotten that. There you
2: go. I think everyone um, that's what
4: that answer was. And I've got this awesome other... Uh, this is what... The, okay, Herald Sun, Tuesday, March 16th, 1999. <laughs> uh, it's a photo of Billy's name with Lee Falk on the set of the film. And it's... um, Oh, it's... it's Sorry, it's literally the day after Lee Falk died, so th- that that's the news story. And uh, it's a story about that. And then it's got a lovely photo of him sitting with Billy. Anyway, this is my own personal trip down memory lane, but uh, there's some sweet clippings here. <laughs> <laughs> I, used, I, I used that to stall a little bit. I did find the, the, uh, the issue that we're referring to, Duncan... I I shouldn't publicise this because it's shocking. The the comic is written by me and it says the ghost who sits and it's the phantom in a wheelchair. Not just that, but I remember somewhere else in another comic, I I did the same inappropriate theme and said the ghost who cannot walk. Again, it's the phantom in a wheelchair. So I had this bizarre obsession with bad, inappropriate puns or wordplay. But it's um, number 13, 1997, newsletter of the Phantom Official Fan Club Australia. The front cover is Jim Shepard holding up his... um, completed fruit plans for
3: 1997. That's right. Very good I, work. I, it wouldn't be just you, Sammy, going down memory lane. I think um, just about everyone who listens to the podcast would love to see that uh, that, that uh, collection of uh, newspaper clippings that you've got and all the rest the of it. I, I,
4: would, I, I, will, I will snap them all. There's a lot of stuff here, but... Um Oh, I'm just. I'm, can I just do one more? Literally a lucky dip? Yeah, Absolutely.
0: Yeah.
4: <laughs> okay, hang on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, this is... I've got the full queue. Sunday Age, 8th of September 1996. Purple Rain. It's the full main Billy Zane um, image on the front. This was the Phantom. Do we really need another superhero in tights? The main cover. This is a precursor to, you know, this, the hit section. And um, Brian Curtis discovers why Billy Zane believes in the Ghost Who Walks. The phantom made you want to aspire to that degree of dignity and decency. Hey, that's a really nice quote from Billy Zane. That sort of tied back to what we were saying before. Yes, that's uh, right. Look, it's, 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 there's, there's pages and pages here. Um, I, I will take some time to digitise these um, and, and share them with you. If you guys, if you, if you think listeners would enjoy, then um, I've got some sweet stuff here.
3: Oh, any, any anything that you can send us, stuff. mate. I guarantee you, we'll put it up on the website and um, people will love it.
4: Okay. Coming, it'll be coming your way. I, I, I guarantee. Awesome. And my, I've just found my official member card as well. What, uh, what,
3: uh, is that? The one where you went up in the ranks and and started as a patrolman and then went up.
4: That's correct. In fact, in fact, why don't we use our official first membership card as the true test of who was the bigger Phantom fan? Ah. If you can find yours, I I commit. As,
1: as the. Uh... As the official judge of that, and because it's way less work than me making up a matrix and asking you all questions, <laughs>
4: I endorse that. course <laughs> Well, my membership, I was a PC1 at this point. It was valid from August 1995 until July 1996. That was my first membership card. So August nineteen ninety five, the gauntlet has been thrown, and like Donald Trump releasing his tax returns, you sir have to release your official membership card, or Sammy J wins the battle.
3: Well, See, so is it is it uh, who was there first, or, or who attained the higher rank?
4: Oh well, that's a great great point, but I'm going to say because I, I was a
3: lieutenant in the uh, Phantom Club.
4: Oh, right. well, I guess that yeah, you've raised a good point because that does show. Some dedication. But that's purely time-based though, isn't it?
3: It is, it is. So it's not really fair.
4: So I would have, unless I, of course, defected, like I said, because I got sick of that fan club and joined the The newsletters, were far less pretty um, but far more informative in the... Um, I'm just finding the official... Yeah, they
3: were. The last few were, were very informative and, as you as you say, not very pretty.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> they, they don't just let you go up in military ranks just because you've been around long enough. It's also to do with your Your skill and uh, your intelligence, and okay, yeah, no, it's just because you get hung around
2: (laughs) every year. (laughs) Um,
4: Well, even if you did, if if you truly achieve uh, lieutenant, then you need to prove you need to provide the card. I'm going to provide the card to you guys to publish on your on your website. So I'm coming clean. I'm being upfront, and I need you to do the same.
3: (laughs) I, I'll. I know where the folder is. I'll dig it out. Oh, there's nerves in the
2: voice already.
3: It's wavering, isn't it? I think I was a lieutenant. <laughs> a
0: lieutenant. You do know it's recorded now, Dan. So if you're not a lieutenant, we can no edit this, can't recorded. we, Stephen?
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> What's it worth to you? Oh my God! You're also, also going to get. You're also going to get put on. We
4: oh, i lost you, Duncan. Oh, Azio attacked. Dan's trying to sabotage the line. I bet this is what Dan's doing.
3: He can't handle this. Uh, can see, uh, the first thing I'm doing when we hang up is going to find those bloody cards. <laughs> Duncan. Has Duncan, has Duncan,
0: is he Duncan left the building? He might have done what oh, he did back there. at... Um, oh, uh, he's
4: still there. <laughs> Canberra, the nation's capital, just not of internet connections.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I was just filling out this census. Uh, <laughs> 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 See, I don't know why everyone just didn't fill out the census the, the census the night before. That's what we did, and the website worked fine.
4: I did exactly the same thing, I, and I don't think they publicised that enough because um, there was yeah, it was. I, I was a s- smug man on census day.
3: <laughs> yes, I was Ooh. too. As long as you were done by 720, I think you were fine.
2: I did it old school. I just went the paper
3: route. <laughs> did you send it in by monkey mail?
2: <laughs> well, we don't have the envelope. It didn't have the So I filled it out and then I'm looking, where's the envelope? And the wife said, um, I thought we were doing it online. Oh, okay. So I guess we have to do that again sometime when the um, internet comes back online. <laughs>
4: The, the Phantom was the first thing I ever searched for on the internet. That was like literally the first words I ever typed into the World Wide Web was The Phantom. Because I remember when it, when it arrived at school, like the internet arrived. And we just got to, like our hearts, what, what, you could have all the treasures of the world and all I wanted to see was a picture of The Phantom.
2: <laughs> and just, was that around when the, the movie was coming out? So you checked out the, mo- the movie web, uh, website as well?
4: Oh my gosh, yeah, well no, this was just before the movie because I remember I was... I was Online just before there, but the movie website, my gosh! And you could go and do like the sort of into the skull cave sort of vibe. It was like this mm. terrible, terrible layout. Imagine if a Hollywood movie came out with that website today, it would be like really meta and subversive.
3: Well, these days there's there's all manner of ways you can be. Well, you can certainly follow Chronicle Chamber on Facebook, and the, but there's there's a Phantom character on Facebook. The Phantom's on Twitter. There's the, the Chronicle Chamber again's got the Instagram account. I'm sure there's a Snapchat Phantom out there. I haven't found him yet, but you can you can <laughs> catch up everywhere.
4: <laughs> I am uh, well aware of, of your Facebook page. In fact, I need to make sure that my own Sammy J page, because I don't have a personal Facebook page. I just have my my comedy page. Um, I want to make sure I'm following your page. How do I get? How do I get to your Facebook page? Chronicle <laughs> oh, right <laughs>
2: chamber. Chronicle
4: chamber. chamber. Yeah.
3: A riveting listening to it too. <laughs> <laughs> this is what podcasts were made for.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: the sound
2: right. of a man tap typing.
4: And I just tell it, yeah. and then I give you, I, I go like, <laughs> yeah, there we are. <laughs> I like your page, hey? how's that? Oh. I can now link in, and I can. I'm going to send through my, um, my credentials your mate. My... Oh, you've got those. Is that one of those pop art? You know these these new.
0: Yeah, pop vinyls.
4: Yeah, I got I got I got annoyed when I saw those. I was at a comic store in Adelaide earlier this year during the Fringe Festival, and I didn't like seeing all those, all the superheroes just sort of you know, brought down into a uniform little bubbles, and the Phantom in amongst them just looking.
3: Well, the good thing tri- about the good thing about that though is that they have at least um, paid tribute to Phantom around the world, and there's the red Italian, Turkish Phantom, and the blue Scandinavian, and the grey ones coming out too. And Brown, New Zealand? Uh, no, touche. They need, they do need to do
0: that. <laughs> oh, well, but, okay,
4: at least they're, if, if they're paying some respect, at least, uh, that's that's
0: nice. The, the, the thing with the Brown is that's that with the free comics, they're actually releasing the Brown at the moment. But what's actually interesting is it's only a couple of Kiwi comics actually had the Brown costume in it. It was mainly purple.
4: So it's not the it's, it's more of a it's not the official color over there, is it? It's no. just more of
0: a. Um, it's it's, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a way for fruit to sell more covers because <laughs> yeah. being a completist, and I'm sure Duncan uh, does the same. He probably now buys a couple of copies of the every fruit issue, including the brown kiwi copy, and probably the signature series as well. Am I correct, Duncan? Yes, Jack. <laughs> So, um, before we finish up, uh, anyone got any other questions?
4: Oh, I, I
2: You've you, spoken a lot about um, Lee Falk. Would he be your, your, your favourite author?
4: Um, it's a tricky question because I sort of quarantine him very much in my phantom world, you know, um, which I probably shouldn't, you know. But, but so when I think about favourite authors, I probably go back to my John Marsden's and, and stuff oh, like that. So but, I
2: mean favourite fandom author? Oh, of course, oh, uh, undoubtedly. Primarily because I was
4: just, you know, I loved the classic stories and and I always enjoyed the thrill of the Scandinavian adventures, you know, and and particularly them being full, complete comics, of course, was always a a great joy. And, and, you know, but for me, it was always effectively wonderful, wonderful fan fiction. I mean, that in a genuine way, like I (laughs) would adore it. But for me, the fandom is and was Lee Fork. So, um, yeah, focus. Thank you, thank you, Sammy
3: Jay. That is fantastic. <laughs> how, I mean,
4: how could you not be? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see how that. Uh, I would, I would come at a discussion about the best writers who are not Lee Fork, but I don't think you can start by not acknowledging Lee Fork as the best. <laughs> thank, you,
0: <laughs> thank you,
4: <laughs> Sorry, oh. Jermaine. Thank you. Sorry, I didn't realize I was wading into a centuries-old battle there, but i <laughs>
0: uh, We we call it uh, the people that basically you may not know, uh, we call it the Forkist for the people that are basically leaf Fork and that's it. That's and it. And then you have the Postmodernism, which is where mm-hmm. I am, where basically you got leaf Fork plus everything else and it kind of fits together. So recently we had a, an argument, uh, a mock debate between myself and Dan about, you know, uh, Forkist versus Postmodernism.
3: <laughs> and who won?
0: Was there an indicator?
3: Oh, it was clearly me. There yes. was. The...
2: No, I won. Someone said I had the best. Actually, yeah,
3: that's
4: <laughs> true. I actually, one. well, have we had the same debate about the classic? You know, your big six artists themselves in the, in the leaf of Europe. Is
2: well, I was about a... to ask you. That was my that was my next question after my lead-in with the with the writer. I was going to hmm. ask. I was actually going to ask you if you had a favorite artist, but then we can go on with this discussion if you like.
4: Well, no, no. Well, I'm I'm terrified to say my favorite artist now because I don't know who's going to leap on me and use me as a fodder in their ongoing <laughs> war with their <laughs> podcast colleagues. But look, my, my favorite. This is a, this is a, this is a split answer because you know what? I can hand on heart at the time I was a Seymour Barry man all the way, and just mm. just just because I just love you know the, the, the realism of it and and. I wonder whether part of that was the fact that, as I say, you know, knowing that the Phantom was not the the Marvel Adventures, you know, Seymour Barry was the one who would most sort of compete in that world in terms of you know his visual style. I, I felt, uh, but for whatever reason, I was all about Seymour. However, with some hindsight, stepping back and when I now when I dabble back in and look back, it's all about Wilson McCoy for me. It's because that to me is, is the nostalgia element and the historical element and and. So I got to say, as, as, as you know, in the '90s, Seymour Barry. These days, McCoy all the way. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, I can't fully explain that, but it's just something. These days, I, yeah, I'm not as excited by, by Barry st- um, working the same way I was, and I, I think Wilson has got so much more of a sort of this beautiful, very unique style. Like it's, you look at that, and you're clearly reading a Phantom comic, and no other Phantom comic in the world. Yeah. No other but, comic and- in the world.
3: And I, and I don't think you're um, you're wading into anything there. We all uh, we all respect the, the the big the big three because I think uh, we uh, a lot of people throw Ray Moore in with those as well. But you know, th- those two are certainly the iconic Phantom artists, and everyone has a, a, has a great respect for them.
4: Are you not going to give Billy Lignan a chance just because he draws the Phantom's eyes once or twice? You're not going to include him in the <laughs> in the Champions League.
3: Well, you said six. Who are, so um, Bill you'd throw in? Who are the other two?
4: Well, no, actually, I, I realised as, as I said it that I was overstating it. Of course, you know, <laughs> more, more McCoy, Barry Lipton, um and then hang on, come the 90s, we were, we
0: were at Seymour, still weren't we? Yeah. So
3: it's yeah, about, yeah,
0: 93, 94. And yeah. and
3: he's still producing now. Um, you can you can jump on his website and get a, a commission if you like.
4: Yeah, I actually saw that a few months ago, and, and I'm I got to be hand on heart. After talking about the Phantom for an hour, I'm, I've never been more energised about. Getting back into this world, gentlemen. You've, uh, you've... <laughs> so, so, it's
2: um... amazing how that happens. I was, um, at the start, a couple of years ago, I was getting supplies for school, I turned around. And there's a whole row of Phantom comics. I picked them all up, and I haven't stopped since. And and yeah, my my, my um bank account hasn't loved me. <laughs> <laughs> never... Neither is the wife.
4: <laughs> Did you start reading them? You like specifically, or was it more the collecting, or, or was it the reading that?
2: Oh no, oh got yeah, back went in? back and reread them again because like I'd had a, a little bit of time away from them. Yeah, but went back and found my my old collection, which was all still intact back at uh, mum and dad's and. So now they're all in the in the comic boxes. I know you are saying six months ago you, you got rid of yours. Um, mine's growing now. It's. it's um, um, well,
4: Duncan and I had a very strict arrangement that I would have custody access to my children. <laughs> uh, Duncan, <laughs> can you confirm that arrangement, please? Yes, that's that's uh, absolutely correct. Excellent. And and I did keep all of the ten dollar annual specials. Um, I made a point of that. So between them, I've surely got quite a bit to to, to go on.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well. Uh, i think it's good um i actually caught up with a, a perf guy uh callum who um mm. who has recently similar as steven um re-energized his collection and stuff in the last couple of uh in the last couple of months he's just recently got it all out of storage and stuff like that um and had him over for, for lunch yesterday with, a, with another fan and went through my room and stuff like that so um yeah, so I'm, I'm glad the podcast has helped uh, re-energize you as well.
4: It really has, uh, guys. Uh, thank you yeah, so much for, for having me on, and, and um, I'm yeah, genuinely feeling like I'd like um, and Also, moment. Also, because I'm writing this show at the moment, I'm sort of deep into it, but it is lovely... I don't think I've spoken to this many fandom fans in one room together um, <laughs> since I was visiting Jim and Judith <laughs> Shepherd in 1999.
3: That was that was going to be my last question, Sammy. Can you tell us a little bit about that question to uh, about that visit to Fru? because um, that's kind of the holy grail, and and I think Jermaine probably has been there, but I certainly haven't. Um, what's what are oh, the offices like? Yeah. You haven't. So so what are your recollections of the office? What what, what was it to you?
4: It's the sort of story that just doesn't—you you can't imagine it happening in, this, in these days. Like, I mean, it was my first trip to Sydney. I was 15. I was up there with my mum and my stepdad, just on a tourist trip to Sydney, and I'd, I'd never been there, so I just had this Castle Ray Street address that I'd been writing my letters to and stuff, you know. And so, as you say, it was the Holy Grail. I was like, I'm, I'm just, I, I had no plans. I had no idea whether it was a, you know, even open or anything. But we just went along. We went up the lift, and we knock on the door, and, and Judith Shepherd is there, and she's just delightful, and she brings me in, and she said. Oh, Jim's not here at the moment, and, and, and but, but come on in, and and we um and let me take photos and look in the cabinets. I've got I've got these photos. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll send them send them through to you as well. This um, this beautiful you know cabinets of, of beautiful crops and old, but it was, it, it, was it, it was it was the holy grail. And something funny actually, now that I say it. It was 1999, and as so I said, that was the time that I started waning, and then stopped my collecting six months later. You know, and I've never been able to quite pinpoint why. You know, um. How directly that was related to, to Fork's death. Mm. More, more, far more likely the fact that I was turning 16 and started getting different, you know, um,
3: <laughs> issues and interests, and,
4: and also genuinely become getting into comedy. That was where I started writing comedy songs, you know, with that, that Red Faces performance. And that sort of became my whole identity at school um, and really became my passion and hobby, you know. So there actually was, in that sense, a direct shifting of, of, of my focus. But I've got these, yeah, I've got these photos which I'll send through, which was just, you know, a very excited boy in, you know, the, the, where the magic happened, and, and just getting to be shown around. And like I said, these days you just can't imagine any sort of publishing house through really them being that open to people just turning up and checking it out. Like one of the, one of the um, photos is me holding *The Son of the Phantom*, you know, the full novel that was published years and years ago, mm. and that was, you know, holding that book which I read so much about and knowing that it was it had been written was just nuts.
0: Oh, that's good. You should um, uh, you should come to one of the Lee Fort Memorial Bengala dinners.
4: Uh, Duncan has been hard at work trying to get me there, and my touring has prevented me each year. But I would dearly love to be there. In fact, at the very least I can bring these photos with me as proof of my credentials. <laughs> <laughs> so Duncan, I you're my you're my um, you're my goes to go-to goes organizers. So I expect you to keep <laughs> me.
0: Through. Yeah, Duncan, uh, you might have to uh, have a bit of a quiet word with uh, Richard, and maybe he needs to be one of the next guests, and he could do a good song, and and, and maybe the um, little skit as well. You've you've done better than
1: me, because I've been trying to get him to write a song, then come to the dinner and play it, so you've you've achieved more than I have in the the short time I've been talking. Well, Duncan
4: did um, fill for me a napkin from the Bengali Explorers Club 27th Annual Dinner, which is... uh, uh, one of my treasured possessions. I, I don't know if I've just put you in it, Duncan, for
0: being the thief that you are, but he definitely <laughs> stops it. I, I must admit, like, I, I'm, Duncan, I'm seeing a whole new light of Duncan. I always thought he was a, you know, a bit of a, a you know, a straight arrow, but um, <laughs>
3: he, he's a thief. He's throwing kids in bins. He, he's all over the shop.
0: <laughs> and if you
4: want to learn more, come and see my show. And that is all I will say. Then. <laughs> Straight as an arrow, crooked as a bullet. <laughs> <laughs>
1: he, he's basically reading my CV up there, Sam. Um, Sam actually uh, almost deserves one of the Fruit Crew badges because the um, for those of you listeners that that didn't that didn't know that Paul Ryan tribute issue that had the um, the sketch that Paul Ryan did when he came to the dinner was uh, only made available because. <laughs> Sam, quite kindly, while he was driving back from a show, I think in Adelaide, pulled over on the side of the desert and uh, and went back right through his, his emails to find the photos that I'd sent him so I could I send them off to Glenn Ford and the fruit crew. So some of the photos that appeared in that editorial, the guys did at the back of that issue, and the photo of the sketch wouldn't have arrived if uh, Sam had not been um, generous enough to, to give his time on the side of the... The
3: Nullarbor, or whatever it was, <laughs> wherever you were. So you're, yeah, as was you're a bit in more practice. involved than you say, Sammy. You you you're still you're still in.
4: Well, i um, yeah, yeah. Thank you. I'm, I like to consider myself, um, you know, the on the periphery. I'm I'm not quite in the deep woods, but I'm just I'm paddling around outside the waterfall, just waiting to be re-invited. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Dudley does listen to the podcast, so uh, maybe. Um, uh, maybe you'll have to get in touch with uh, either myself or, or yourself, Duncan, and and, um, uh, and get Sammy's uh, address or something like that so you can send one of those uh, badges through because that, that, that poor Ryan, um, Ryan issue was probably one of the best ones that I've seen uh, in a long time. Yeah, it was mm. gorgeous. I'm well, um, yeah. So, Sammy, have you got anything else you want to share before we uh, finish up? Um
4: no, other than to say it's been a genuine, and I'm not just saying that, a real delight, you know, uh, being back in this world with you gentlemen. Um, thank you so much for, for having me and for, for taking the time.
3: It's been really lovely. Sammy, once you're in the Phantom Verse, you never leave it.
4: <laughs> I should hope not. And I hope that my show can do some justice to that level of um, obs- obsession that I fear may be about to creep back into my life. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: Um, it's been a real pleasure having you on, uh, uh, Sammy. But so your, show, your show's playing at the, at the Fringe Festival. Uh, whereabouts will... I oh, know it's in Melbourne, but whereabouts in Melbourne would yeah, it's, one be able to see you?
4: It's, it's on at the Northcote Town Hall in on High Street in Northcote. Uh, the show is called Hero Complex, and it's on from the 15th of September until the 1st of October, so two and a half weeks. People are interested in coming on. School along. holidays. Yeah, school holidays. Good time to get a babysitter and come on out, or... Bring the kids. It's, a, it's an eight o'clock show and it will be pretty family friendly actually, ultimately. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike a lot of my shows, but you, you know, uh, it'll be, um, uh, if anyone's interested, they can follow me on Facebook, just send me J Comedian, um, on Facebook or, or head to the Melbourne Fringe Festival website to find out more details. But yeah, um, it's, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to Duncan coming along and seeing it. <laughs>
3: I think Stephen's asking about the Melbourne shows because he's in Melbourne and will be absolutely front row centre. I suspect.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I just down the to road, <laughs> <all right. laughs> <All right. laughs> right. easy. Um,
4: Ninety minute drive. Sixty minutes if you if you don't have Duncan, who's a former police. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Stephen, it'd be lovely to see you there, and uh, it'd be lovely to meet you in person. So please come and say hi. In fact, oh, maybe was... you should come along the night that Duncan comes, and then he can have someone to. To hold his hand as his face gets splashed across projection
2: screen. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll prop you up, Duncan. it will be fine. It's,
1: right. it's just not the first time uh, Sam's uh, got me to uh, support his art. So,
4: by all means. Yeah, I've been making docos about him for 20 years now. It's not
2: slowing down. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, thank you, uh, Sammy J and uh, Duncan as well. Thank you for joining us, uh, Stephen Dan. Thank you as well uh, for uh, for participating like normal. Um, thank you, listeners, for um, listening to it. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you go and support Sammy J's uh, skit. Uh, we will we will post some details up on the website and stuff like that for if you are interested. So. Um, like normal, you can uh, get in touch with us via all the social media outlets and everything else. So uh, thank you, everyone. Um, and then until next time, happy reading.
2: G'day, all. I know that you're probably expecting a blooper reel now, but because this is a special occasion, we've actually added on some, uh, some bonus material that came up in conversation after the official close of the show. Enjoy. I've just thought of another question I probably should have asked 10 minutes ago. Um, You spoke a lot about um, The Mob. Is that your favourite story or do you have another one in particular that you hold dear? Oh
4: man, um, The Mob has that that emotional connection because it was the first one but um, man, Search for Byron probably because I was so excited about it being an Australian story. Mm. Here I am saying that Lee Falk's my favourite author but but there was something about that, yeah, having that that local connection and, you know, Glen Ford's Artwork, obviously, it was just stunning in that in that, um, in that story. Did you get the reprint? No, because I've got the original, so I felt like I didn't need to. Uh,
3: okay. <laughs> Fair enough. When was the reprint out, though? Was that, was that re- more recently?
2: This year or last
3: year? Uh, yeah. It like, or two or three months year. ago.
2: Mm. Yeah,
4: no. I'm still, um, you yeah, know, still working my way through the incredible replica series that everyone knows and loves.
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't I've,
4: um, the exact same front cover, right? I'll, I'll give you
0: that. I've um, made it quite vocal on the podcast how uh, I don't like the replica series and, and stuff like that, so... But, Jermaine,
3: um, you didn't even like the reprint of Search for Byron because they printed it once 16 years ago, so therefore no one should ever read it again, so...
0: Oh, I prefer news stories.
3: <laughs> not everyone's been reading for twenty years, mate.
2: <laughs> I'm glad
4: it's it's not all in the same room or things are gonna get physical. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks everyone, that was so fun.
2: For the past week, Sammy J and our resident ghost who stalks, Dan Fraser, have been battling it up over emails to crown the biggest Australian adolescent 90s phantom fan nerd. Now, Duncan Munro has deliberated, and his decision is final. And here it is. Enjoy.
1: I now present my judgment based on the evidence presented to me by the X-Ban Tribunal. In considering the case, I have deliberated heavily on the robust arguments provided by both sides. Impassioned statements have been received and reviewed from both claimants. But it is important to remember that while the Jungle recognises the dubious prize as a successful claimant is laying claim to, justice must be foremost in the mind of the Court at all times. In considering the submissions, I make the following remarks. On the question of the age of the applicants, I find them comparable and therefore point advantage to neither. On the matter of familiarity with your local trader in items of phantom ephemera, and the proportion of your meagre available funds to acquire treasure, I find you both faced adversity through the tyranny of distance, the depleted funds of a teenager, or the absence of a complicit parent to drive you when the footy was on TV. The court finds equity in the efforts of the adolescent Master Jay to make regular tricks to the Morabin comic quest Empyrean of Phantom Law and negotiate with Colin Williams. So too did the young Master Fraser similarly seek out to learn from an elder in his region of the deep woods in the form of Hendo, I note both applicants demonstrated exceptional initiative, drive and ingenuity to overcome such adversity, including creating their own artwork, cannibalising cherished comics to make displays and posters and the use of unlicensed or alternative products to supplement your treasure collection. This was evidenced by the images provided, but it should be noted for the record Mr Fraser was marked down significantly for the dilution of the phantom theme amongst his bedroom adornments, which demonstrated an interest in sport in addition to our hero. Sport, and the appreciation of same, is not the natural habitat of the nerd, and indicated a diversity of interest not common in the fanatic. However, the court recognises the phantom has a particular affinity within the Australian culture, and cross-pollination with our national pastimes is inevitable, so this was discounted. In this respect, I found that there was some variation in the material displayed in the images, but despite this, the heart and commitment behind those displayed treasures was commensurate with the environment. On the matter of official recognition, I note that Mr J was a member of both fan clubs, and while only attaining the rank of junior non-commissioned officer, the effort to enlist in two different arms of the services, short of actually joining the Jungle Patrol, is equivalent to attaining the rank of subaltern in only one club. All discussions of the legitimacy of other of these clubs is best left to the ruminations of a separate tribunal. The physical evidence presented was considerable, albeit for the large part inadmissible for a number of reasons – These included, not of the appropriate era, too much bare skin, or submission to the judge by bashing on the door of his chambers during deliberation. All desperate tactics from both claimants, which left the courtroom filled with the unmistakable stench of desperation and thwarted aspirations. Notwithstanding the weight of respect and gravitas to which the court recognises the endorsement of Mrs Fraser, her unsolicited testimony, made to a third party as it was, is hearsay and must be excluded by the rules of evidence. The social aspects of both claimants' cases were brought to the attention of the court and aired, without reservation or any semblance of personal preservation from either claimant, and the court recognises the moral fortitude required to be that honest about your level of commitment. While Mr J successfully recruited a fellow fan, which outweighed the efforts of Mr Fraser, the court can be left in no doubt that Mr Fraser's attempts to woo women through dairy products must be applauded with the unabashed admiration of male fans everywhere. Sir, the court salutes your sacrifice, and the community thanks you for your service. Closing arguments were heard from both parties. Those received after closing were dismissed as overzealous, but no adverse assessment was made as a result. Special mention must be made to the efforts of the adolescent Master Jay, who in a breathtaking display of self-confidence and pomposity addressed in his personal chronicles Us, his future readers, while penning his adventures, In true phantom spirit, the would-be heir to the phantom mantle chronicled his adventures, peppered though they were with references to puppy haircuts and household chores. The cathartic confessions of the dedicated fan who sacrificed his Saturday to repeated viewings of the one piece of external media to the film, the defining phantom event of that era. In an age before teaser trailers, the internet and spoiler alerts, he pored over every VHS-paused frame, seeking clues and Easter eggs before they were even a nerd staple. The firm belief that his adventures, musing, and presumably his occasional forays with the Singh Brotherhood would one day be of interest to another living human is strong evidence of someone's meta-embracement of the world of the phantom. The level of commitment required to mirror 21 generations of phantom chronicling is almost enough to cancel out the sin of doing so in a John Sands phantom diary, thereby surrendering its future speculative and exorbitant value on eBay. But in the end the court must deal with the evidence presented and the facts submitted with due application of the rules of evidence. The scales of justice must be balanced, fair, and applied in the spirit of equity. I found the ardent supplications put forward by both parties were intense but respectful to their opponent. The style and alacrity with which the supporting evidence was presented was entertaining and within the spirited competition of healthy debate. But I, along with the court, bore witness to the surprise evidence presented to the court, not revealed in the prehearing disclosure, of one candidate citing physical evidence published for the entire fandom community to see, of a teenage fan. So entrenched in phantom lore, so dedicated in his collecting and devouring of adventures of a purple clad hero, he not only noticed an error in continuity, not only took the time to verify his suspicion through research, not only thought anyone would care about what he had noticed, he risked personal discomfort, social isolation from his peers, and invested 25 cents for a stamp, and wrote to the publisher of the phantom comic, the then owner of free publications, the late and truly missed gentleman Jim Shepard. He raised with the man himself an error in the message from the publisher and who, as a teenager, read those. Moving said publisher to not only concede his oversight but to present a reward for his boldness and daring. In the fine tradition of the phantom law being applied with judicial and balanced consideration for centuries throughout the jungle, this level of bravery, courage, conviction and attention to insignificant detail, in addition to the acknowledgement from one of the great and esteemed holders of phantom law, Mr Jim Shepard, This court demonstrates no compunction in awarding the somewhat inauspicious title of leading adolescent mid-90s phantom fan for now and throughout perpetuity to Mr. Dan Fraser Esquire. The court will now retire for an afternoon leaf-through of the Golden Age Special, go forth and maintain the phantom's peace.